and we're recording. That's right. Put Twitter away, Tom. Twitter, no, Twitter you, will be there when it. You when can't you... make me, and you don't know that. Mark Zuckerberg was on trial not two days ago, and as we all know, Santa did their job and destroyed Facebook. Yep, Facebook's gone now. Blasted it, ripped it from the earth. They cut open Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. They 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 cut off his human skin and then the reptile. Yeah, the it. reptilian robot Glargalal three thousand came yeah. out and then he was like, "Why? I'm did, just a tech guy. Why did my we, whole thing? Why did we get rid of graffiti? That was a cool feature." Wait, what are you talking? Graffiti about? from Facebook. I don't remember graffiti from Facebook. It was when you would have like a video of art, so you would draw. And it would record your drawing, and you'd send it as a video. Oh, but that's super cute. Yeah, right? you know what? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Zuck fucked up. Zuck fucked up. He really did in so many important, in so many important ways. Why did he get he? rid of the wall? <sighs> remember the wall? Do you remember when Facebook had a wall? Mister Zuckerberg, tear down this wall! Oh no, Thomas Michael Lockney the Third. What have you done? Listen, I've read my. What I've, have you I've, done to this I've podcast? I've read my history, and, I, and we all remember when Ronald Reagan said JFK said no, no, no Ronald it was Reagan. Reagan, you were right. Said Mr. Zuckerberg. Nope. Tear down this. Gorbachev. Tear down this okay. Facebook wall. Delete these. Delete these scandalous photos of me that and feature stop. me drinking, <laughs> drinking a Miller High Life. <laughs> At my senior high school party. This seems like it's not Reagan anymore. Oh, but I. Oh, but you and know. And also get rid of that poking feature. It's me, the Gipper. <laughs> well, Nancy, mommy. Uh, Y'all remember that? Y'all remember uh, when I told Tom that Ronald Reagan used to call the woman he has consensual sex with mommy? Don't do that. Mommy. Uh, and outside the bedroom. This is Media Majors. It's a beautiful podcast where two beautiful boys tell stories to each other. Uh, and the stories center around their preferred interests of media. My name is Liam Sr. and I like movies and TV. And I'm Thomas Lockney and I dig the culture of video games and the internet normally. You enjoy playing video games. This is true. The culture is a hot trash garbage enjoy, town awfulness. I enjoy talking about it. Uh, and normally we center these around a theme, but a big thing happened this week from a story. So Liam's going to go first, and we will not have a theme. This time, we're throwing the theme to the road. That's right, motherfuckers. Instead of another brick in the Facebook wall, we're taking them out this That's week right. on Media Majors. We're going to start by reading some stuff from a Wikipedia page that I forgot to write down at work today. Oh. How thrilling. The lion. Roar. Panthera leo is a species in the family Felidae, where we get feline from, and a member of the genus Panthera. Not to be confused with stoner metal band Pantera. It exhibits a pronounced sexual dimorphism. Males are larger than females. Um, that was not going the way I thought it was. I thought they were going to talk about how female lions are like uh, the actual leaders of, of, of the lions. And do all the hunting and all the work and stuff. And but male we're gonna go are, with we're gonna go with some biological big. essentialism it's just going here. Big, huh? Yeah, this is this is fucking. Don't fucking put our cultural boxes onto lions. That's true. Um, lions are big cats. They uh, typically inhabit grasslands and savannas. 
Uh, and the inside of stomachs. Mm, num num num. I'm a lion. I'm eating. Oh. I'm inside of a. St- I'm inside of a tummy right now. I'm doing my lion thing with gotcha. my sharp teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they rip they rip open yeah, yeah, animals yeah. and eat them. They it's are quite brutal. They are beautiful, dangerous, brutal creatures. Yes. And it's one of the most recognized animals in all of the world. It's on flags, logos, lions. On January nineteenth, nineteen thirty. Now, I know this name as Natalie, but they decided to put an H next to that first T, so I guess it might be Nathalie. <laughs> so I'm going to say either Natalie K. Hendren or Nathalie K. Hendren was it's born, Natalie. and she would go by Tippy. Oh. Tippy Hendren. A successful fashion model from her 20s, appearing on the front covers of Life and Glamour magazines, Hendren became an actress after she was discovered by director Alfred Hitchcock while appearing on a television commercial in 1961. She received world recognition for her work in the in two of his films, the suspense thriller The Boyds, uh, or The Birds if you're not from Brooklyn in the 40s, for which she won a Golden Globe, and the psychological drama Marnie in 1964. Hedrin has appeared in over 80 films. Or, or Marnie if you're not from the Bronx. <laughs> Marnie. Hedrin has appeared in over 80 films and TV shows, including Charlie Chaplin's final film, a Countess from Hong Kong, the Alexander Payne political satire Citizen Ruth, and even recently the David O. Russell comedy I Heart the Huckabees. Um, she's been honored with a Jules Verne Award and a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She is still alive today, which after this story is going to be a surprise to all of us. So Marnie was the second and last collaboration between Hedron and Hitchcock. In 1973, she admitted that a major lifestyle difference caused a split in their relationship. He was too possessive and too demanding. I cannot be possessed by anyone, but then that's my own hang-up. It's actually not her own hang-up. It's important to have your own autonomy. Yeah, I was going to say, I love how I... Uh, I beat you to it. I beat you how, to it. Yeah, yeah, I hate how abuse is always framed as like, oh man, we just follow different lifestyles. I like to be my own person he likes to he, he likes, likes to, to dominate me. me in every facet of my life. Uh, we'll discuss uh, why it's actually not her own hangup and how that she what she really needed was just autonomy and agency. Yeah. In an episode where I talk about how Hitchcock was a son of a bitch, fucking terrible person, <laughs> terrible human being. Yeah. But that is not what we're talking about today, because Tippi Hendren got out of there pretty quick while the getting was good. And on September 22nd, 1964, Hendren married her then-agent, Noel Marshall, who produced a few of her films when they were together. In 69, during the filming of Satan's Harvest in Africa, Hedren and, the, and uh, Noel watched a pride of lions moved into a house after a game warden moved out. So they're just watching these lions taking over human structures. Hedren later said, we were delighted with the way they adapted themselves to living there. And they were so funny, we knew we had an idea for a picture. I'm terrified. Right. Back home, Marshall wrote a script for a film originally titled Lions, Lions, and More Lions. It's not a good name for a and, movie. And the wardrobe. Based on, <laughs> based on their experience. The film was later retitled Roar and centered on a family's misadventures oh, no. in a research oh, park filled no. with lions, tigers, and other oh, wild cats. No. Do you know the story? I don't know the specifics of it, but I do know that. Well, that... well, well, let's let's. You don't know the specifics of it. All right. Uh, it's gonna be fine. It's they're just. Oh, yeah, a movie. it's gonna be totally good. It's, it's gonna, gonna, be, gonna good. be totally good. It's gonna be a movie about real lions. It's gonna be a real. Well, movie hold on. About we don't know lions. that yet. It's just gonna be about lions at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. 
We don't we don't know. They're just in the writing phase. I suppose they're in so. pre-pro. A lot of things can happen. Uh, Tippy was going to star in the movie along with Noel, uh, as well as their children. Uh, well, her children from an earlier marriage, uh, including Melanie Griffith, who is a, is a famous actress to this day. Hendren and Marshall attempted to rent Hollywood animals for a nine-month shoot. So they're going to use Hollywood animals. Trained animals. Mm-hmm. They are trained lions and, and tigers at this time. However, upon approaching animal trainers for support, they were discouraged. Nobody would rent them 30 or 40 lions as the script required because of their natural tendency to fight. Ah, oh, man, without a big group of trained lions, it looks like the film was done before it even began. What are we going to do without 30 well, to 40 lions? I mean, I guess it's over, you know? And uh, that's my story. It was about this movie of lions that would have been really cool but never happened. No, I'm fucking with you guys. You see, <laughs> Noel decided he would just trade his own lions. <laughs> like, come on. 30, 30 to 40 lions. 30 I want you to remember to that. 40 lions Listen, could kill if they so chose. Tom could kill. I want you to hold on to this. Hundreds. Point. I want you to hold on to this. Hundreds point. of filmmakers. Anyways, they were advised by a lot of the people they talked to for lions to just start training their own exotic beasts. And they started to raise a lion cub and learn from its behavior. The little lion was named Neil, and he was kept inside the couple's home. He even did a photo shoot with the, with the, uh, the Family for Life magazine. He put a baby in his mouth the whole nine yards. Do you want to see the photo shoot? Sure. I need you to describe the pictures that uh, oh, we're going to look at. Oh, you know I will. I'm so nasty for description. You didn't have to say that. All right, so this is a this is a woman making a kissy. Uh, that is that is Tippy Hendren. That is that is Tippy making a kissy face at. Uh, no, she's spitting water into the lion's mouth. She's spitting water into a lion's mouth. Yep. Okay, so she's spitting. Okay, one is it's got her big old paw. She's in a pool and it's got her is big old paws on her head. <laughs> Uh, one looks like it's about to bite her leg off. This is not an exaggeration. It is in her jaws. Oh, uh, one one is it has a it has a child in its mouth. <laughs> and Tom, is this a lion cub? No, it is a full ass fucking Mufasa lion. Yeah, this is Simba right here. That's just him and uh, him and fucking Tippy Hendren chilling. This is just them lounging in her house. Oh, God. This is them just reading the paper on this her rug. This is so terrifying. They're so big, and they're so sharp. This is just the lion roaring while Neil tries to get some work done. Do I can't think- talk to you. I've got a lion on the other line. Do you think it ever tries to sit on the keyboard? I think so. <laughs> this is Tippy in the in the fridge with the lion. This is just them checking out the dishes together. Just a full-grown African male lion. And then this is my favorite. That's him sleeping with Melanie. This is so dangerous and also feels very unethical to me. Yeah. It, it feels very unethical. Yeah, no, no. They ra- they adopted they've, and raised a lion cub. They've stolen a lion to raise in their home with with their children. And it's it's a lion that's been stolen from its habitat. Uh, I think they might have gotten it from a zoo, so I don't even know. Like, oh man! It doesn't so even we've got, have we, a so habitat. we've added another fun fold to the weird shittiness. Yeah. So um, eventually, the neighbors had complained, and Hendred and Marshall soon bought a ranch outside LA, which made the new home for the wild cat. 
Eventually, they got dozens of other lions, tigers, and even some African elephants housed in the ranch as well. What? What? What's up? What's happening? Yeah? What? What's up? What? This is... What's up? What's up? This is all normal. No, 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 no. No, this is all normal behavior. What? I want to know if it's legal. Can you tell me if this is legal? Because it seems like it can't possibly be... What? To own an animal? Yeah, you get it registered. To own a lion, a tiger, and an elephant. Multiple lions, Multiple tigers, and elephants, Multiple lions, tigers, and elephants. Oh, my. Well, you see, this site also served as the film set for Roar. Eventually, a crew was put together. Ugh. Noel would direct and co-star with Tippy. There would be a crew of uh, cameramen, grips, and all that good stuff of about over 100 people. And over 150 untrained lions, tigers, cheetahs, leopards, and 10 African elephants for good measure. I feel like you're explaining the plot of a movie, of a, of a movie to me, instead of, instead no, of no, the no, story this is of real. a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This happened. Of a movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they have about nearly 200 animals on this site. I untrained. Will... I will say this is this is a fantastic setup for a very fun game of Zoo Tycoon. So uh, even though the Predators were untrained, the shoot went super well. They filmed it in nine months, right on schedule. The film was a huge mm -hmm. hit. It spawned the super popular Roar franchise, a Saturday morning cartoon, countless specials, and I'm just fucking with you. Not only did the <laughs> shoot not take nine months, it took five years. Wow. It is also considered to be the most dangerous film shoot in the history of the media. There were 150 predators. Here's the plot from Wikipedia. Hank, Marshall, lives contently with his wild animals. One day his wife and three children arrive to visit him. The only trouble is he's not at home, but all his animals are. That's the Wikipedia plot. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh Christ. Kind of too much plot right yeah it seems like it well that's because they actually improvised a lot of the scenes based yeah, on yeah. how the I, lions were i would acting. imagine because they were like oh this one's trying to eat me time to run the lions pretty much ran the whole show <laughs> honestly they directed this without even knowing that's really good and because of that also uh there were a lot of injuries hey um if injuries and descriptions of injuries aren't your thing you might want to skip this part because 150 big cats, <laughs> large, large who felines. weren't trained, just hung out. The cinematographer, Jean de Bont, had his <laughs> scalp lifted by a lion, resulting in not one stitch, not two stitch, but 220 stitches. Ugh. <sighs> Hedrick uh, got a fractured leg and also had scalp wounds after an uh, elephant had kicked her, uh, had her kicked off its back while she was riding it. You're describing one long jackass sketch to me. You're describing one long jackass sketch. She was additionally bitten in the neck by a lion. Oh my god! And they decided to use that shot in the movie. Are you fucking kidding? Wait, is this online? Is it? Is this legal to show? We'll get to it. Her daughter, Melanie Griffith, getting uh, got some, like, 50-odd 50, 50 stitches on her face and at one point was in danger of losing an eye. Jesus Christ. What? This is a normal film shoot. This is this is the job, you know? It's not all glitz and glamour and, and interviews. Sometimes like, you have to improvise with uh, 200 lions. It's like how in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice by visionary director, director Zack Snyder, Snyder of the movie 300. And and Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And Guardians of Gahoo. Had uh, uh, Henry Cavill actually 
be stabbed through the chest with a huge kryptonite spear. Yeah. Spoilers for that, I guess. Marshall himself was attacked several times. Uh, In one of the accidents, he was clawed by a cheetah. He also picked up gangrene and needed several years to fully recover from that. Did anybody die? His brother was bitten in the foot, and assistant director Doran Copper had his throat bitten open. Oh my god. As well as suffered from other injuries on the head, chest, and thigh. In total, between 70 and 100 crew members were injured, depending on who you asked. And nobody died. How? I that don't seems know. impossible. At one point, a flood also occurred on the ranch, destroying the movie sense and unfortunately killing three of the lions. This further jeopardized the filming activities that already took extensive periods of time because lions are wild animals. After the flood, the film needed several more years to complete. Hedren had commented that they were determined to finish the film, saying, we were so sure the film was going to be a success. And it was a huge success. It made double its money back. They were able to pay all the medical bills for all the crew, and it totally didn't because it was a success. I'm fucking with you for a third time. God. Not only could they not even get a U.S. release until April 2015. Oh my God. Are they, you serious? They could not get this movie released in the U.S. until three years ago. They kept trying? Wow. The film was only released in 1981 in Europe and Australia where it made $2 million out of its $17 million budget. Upon its release here in the States, Variety said of the film, here is a passionate plea for the preservation of... That's not how you say it. Here's a passionate plea for the preservation. You give me that one again, Justin McElroy. Preservation? That preservation. Can... Am I saying it right? No. Um, preservation. Preservation. Thank you. Here's a passionate plea for the preservation of African wildlife meshed with an adventure horror tale which aims to be a kind of Jaws of the Jungle. You need to keep all of that in. <laughs> I want everyone to hear me say preservation wrong a oh, yeah, million absolutely. times. If it seems at times more like Born Free Gone Berserk, such as the risk of planting the cast in in the bush, actually the Marshall's Branch, surrounded by uh, animals and blah, blah, blah. We already know this stuff. Oh, um, so a couple of things. Uh, most of the blood you see in the movie, that's real people blood. Yeah, I would imagine. Because... Fucking faces and throats bit by... By... by lions. The, the teeth weren't fake! Yeah, lions have sharp teeth should talk about that in the opening lions have sharp claws and teeth put this in the opening when i talk about lions so nolan tippy got divorced the next year <laughs> who could have who could have foreseen they had a lion do the paperwork because they make better lawyers than she does yeah that that is not true unfortunately it's a little <laughs> joke i added uh tippy wrote a book about the whole experience and has remained a staunch animal rights activist when asked about whether she regrets having a fully grown lion living in her house during the 70s she says, yeah. <laughs> She's quoted saying, we were stupid beyond belief to have that lion in her house. We should have never taken the risk. And hindsight is always twenty twenty, especially when your daughter still has both her eyes. And there you go. The most dangerous film shoot in all of history involving 150 big old cuddly kitties. Oh my God. I cannot believe the lack of common sense that went into that. What? Oh, oh man. Can't get enough lions. We could They couldn't get... 30 to 40. They couldn't get 30 to 40 trained. Go lions. big or go home. So they win 150 untrained. Seems like a great idea. Oh. Lions, tigers, cheetahs, and jaguars. Might as well have thrown sarin gas at the crew. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's just such a great moment in history where for five years, professionals were like, well, I got to go into work and I'm get my arm bit off. Let's I guess that's my day. 
We're going to take a quick break as I go check on some mac and cheese I have in the oven. Uh, we're going to hear uh, about another show on the network. And when we get back, we're going to hear about something that happened in the video game world. I, I assume Mario's dick is, like, only 2.9 inches. <laughs> Meanwhile, Waluigi has, like, this hairy eggplant hog that, like, fucking looks grand. Waluigi takes off his pants and you go blind. Yeah. Wario is a chode. Commercial. Hi, I'm Liam Sr. I'm Josh Phillips. And every other Thursday on the Major Cast Network, we release Musty TV. You see, we like television. Some say too much. Most doctors say too much. So we watch the first episode and last episode of a canceled show. And we decide to tell you, is it worth watching? It's not. It never is. Enable our descent into madness every other Thursday on iTunes and where else podcasts may be. And we're back. To the Medium Majors podcast. Yup. <laughs> I'm Tom Lockney, and today I'm going to be talking a lot about sales numbers in regards uh, to games. I do want to kind of address a few of uh, its premises. When it comes to games themselves, there are a lot more important things than how many copies they may have sold. The success of art is not and should not be dependent upon its commercial success. Very important. Uh, Devil's Advocate. Money, 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 money. <laughs> that being said, we do operate within a capitalist system, so there are functional needs for transparency within that sales ecosystem, specifically in regards to leveling the playing field between the labor that makes and pitches games and the capital that funds them. Without complete transparency, publishers can and will misrepresent their reach and clout to exploit developers looking for funding and sales outreach. The hyper-capitalist games industry relies, in many cases, on the obfuscation of sales metrics to maximize profit margins at the cost of exploited partnerships. I gotta say, I played hyper-capitalist drip drifter, and I don't understand what all the hype was about. Of course, when some major temple franchise like Call of Duty blows up, the sales numbers come out. Oh, we've Get sold it because they use grenades. Yeah, <laughs> really blows up. Tom, I like what you did there. I want to stop the story for a second to Thank just you, really Liam. comment on that to, punt. To, to fucking <laughs> go. <sighs> you know, like it'll, it'll, it's always like, wow, like the new Call of Duty sold this many billion units or whatever. Like Activision says, like this, that, the other. Look at People how cool it is. People buy video games. It's not fucking... I wish the, I wish the like, non-video games media would stop, like, fucking tripping over their dicks every time something happens in video games and just, like, calm down. Treat it like news. Yeah. Be adults. Uh, because other than that, there really isn't much access publicly to sales figures. The closest thing we have to an official market research body that granularly tracks sales is the NPD, and the NPD sucks shit. Wait, wait, wait. There's no, like, concrete way to track sales unless you are a part of the, like... Like, if I'm not part of Nintendo, is it harder for me to figure out how well Nintendo is doing, basically? Yeah. I never thought. And even even internally, like because um, sometimes developers, uh, because because publishers are the ones who distribute the games, right? Um, and so they are the ones who actually have like full access and and just to their own sales numbers. So they are the ones who know about how well a game did. And so if it like 
doesn't quite hit the profit margin they wanted, but it hit a profit margin, they can kind of like be a little coy about that. That's and that's the thing too is like this is I should say this is a very hard thing for us to talk about because like we are members of the public we're not like super deep ingrained in the games industry ring ring like sorry mr miyamoto please stop calling me i'm trying to record a podcast Uh, cut cut, cut that out they can't know (laughs) they can't know that i'm shigeru miyamoto's stepson (laughs) so so like a lot of this is comes from just like the general vagaries of discussion surrounding sales numbers in the games industry which like okay so the npd is 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 a market research group but here's here's a couple things here's a couple problems with the npd one it's it's pay to access so you so if you're not a member of the public you or if you uh are a member of the public and you want to participate in npd you would have to pay like a lot of money that's how they prevent the public from knowing is because the only way you could afford to see those numbers is if you are part of like a organization with lots of funds also the npd did not track digital sales until guess how recently they started tracking digital sales like like when we started the recording july of 2016 so based yeah so so a a little a little under two years ago like uh, no over no under two years ago yeah yo i think it was that was a month before we started recording yeah that's fucked up uh, I, I was gonna ask earlier, like, do they even track digital sales? And uh, well, and here's and here's another problem with that is the digital sales figure does not include numbers from publishers like Sony, Nintendo, or Microsoft, nor does it account for titles sold on digital distribution platforms wait, such wait, as wait. EA Origin, Battle.net, or GOG. It's very wishy-washy about what MPD tracks, and 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 it's intentionally so. It's so the public can't know, and it's so only people with like a lot of money can ultimately figure it out because they have to pay them this is some shady business yeah uh were it to include numbers from these distribution platforms one would be unable to tell which platform a particular game outperformed on uh as their sales numbers do not distinguish between platforms so it does track digital sales across several different platforms but it doesn't say like it sold this much on hypothetically ea origin it and it sold this much on steam which is super useful data very practical data um yeah the npd is an organization of dinosaurs it would seem good lord what this does is grant people with capital publishers the ability to look at their sales figures which for all the reasons previously stated are woefully reductive and determine how to best embellish there have been attempts to create some measure by which to track the sales of games, but many have operated off of flawed systems, so they're like deeply flawed, themselves predicated on the lack of transparency in the games industry. Like it's it's I mean like we can't track retail sales. We just we can't. There there's no there's no neutral body that can go, all right, Call of Duty sold this much. Uh, where the water tastes like wine sold this much. And, and that's the thing that's shitty about uh, NPD not tracking these sales figures for digital sales, too, is, like, what about the, in, like, huge percentage of indie games that are digital exclusives? Like, 
Fuck them, I guess, right? I mean, there's, if they, there's no way for them to know how well their game did. Exactly. No, 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 no. They will know. But, but the industry and public cannot know. Yeah, which, but, ugh. However, in April of 2015, Sergey Galyunkin launched Steam Spy. Focused solely on Valve's digital distribution platform, Steam, Galyonkin used the site's official application programming interface, or API, to scan the profiles of Steam's then 1.8 million users to determine how many games were sold. And this is not, again, this is not a perfect system. We should make that clear. However, in the simplest terms, what it would do was read your game's library, then open in the simplest terms, it would read your games library, then open to other users to see what titles you had, each game's current sales price, and how many active players there were. This was by no means a perfect system. Upon visiting the website steamspy.com, a small pop-up text encourages player, uh, users to, quote, please start by reading about page to learn about data accuracy and algorithms limitations. Some titles are gifted, others are bought on sale, some games have a free weekend, etc. And so that may skew sales numbers meaningfully in a way that does not like is not representative of how a game does on average or as a whole. Other titles are small enough that they don't generate enough data to present an accurate figure. Galyonkin himself recommended treating statistics on games with under 30,000 sales with suspicion. And and again, like this is here's the here's the problem here is that this is a hack. This ultimately at the end of the day, this is just this is just a hack using uh, uh, public data in order to create a a like approximation of sales numbers for the public. And so and so it is not perfect. And again, this is just for items sold on Steam. The platform does not track games sold without Steamworks support sold on other platforms like the aforementioned GOG or Origin. A system with more access to data surrounding dates, sales, and key usage, uh, key usages would provide a more accurate representation of the way the market behaves. But as it is, if a dev's game is available under special circumstances, like what basically since it updates daily, what you would ha uh, like, I guess have to do is just like look at your game sales numbers once it, and then once it goes on sale, like refresh every day and just kind of track that. But even that is is a is a sloppy measure by which to to quantify how well a game is selling because it's updated once a day and so much can change in 24 hours when when a game is on sale on digital distribution. Like it's it, it's a fucking wild ecosystem. Despite the oh yeah, also I should say the website itself provides a plus minus margin of error but again like not perfect despite these flaws however there have been developers that have spoken to the accuracy and usefulness of steam spy on the other hand there are also developers whose sales metrics were unrepresentative of actual performance for the various reasons listed above or prior uh with those being hurt most uh being developers of games with smaller numbers which uh, like again sales sales numbers are not like a metric of like quality of a game and like 30,000, which was the number Galyonkin gave, is not even technically that small. Like, 30,000 people is still a lot of it's people. It's a big chunk of people. It's just like, 
you're comparing it to the world population, which is and a then you, fucking massive number. And then even within that, you have to take into account like how many of those are like oh like uh, bots <laughs> or not bots, but like a group household. Like like we share we share games in this house. Uh, like in this house, in this house, we share. The sheriff games. sucks all of us off. <laughs> Twitter. Uh, yeah, no, I that that must confuse and skew the data even more. Uh, but, but what was important about Steam Spy, not just as a tool for uh, devs for their own purposes, it was it was important for them to look at other devs and see, like, okay, here's what's selling well right now. Here's what, like, going on sale does for a game in my sphere, be that indie or AAA. Here's how much to put a game on sale. Uh, I mean, like, there are so many anxieties that go into, like, how did we price our game? Because, like, oh Christ, how many comments are there that, like, this fucking game was, like, six hours. It wasn't worth, like, yeah. $15, you know? But it was it was a very useful tool for people looking to find what models or genres to find success in. It seems unlikely to me that Steam Spy did not have a role to play in the recent boom of Battle Royale titles and, and modes. Though that can, of course, also be attributed to their popularity in various video and streaming services. Despite being a hack, the Steam Spy system pulled from public data and was therefore covered legally. There were like there were for for a while, uh, Galyonkin uh, responded affirmatively to requests from publishers or developers, being like, "I don't want my game listed on Steam Spy." And then after a time, he was like, "Actually, this is all public data, and I do think that in the end, it's a net gain for the industry. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put everything on here." But on April 10th, Valve put out an announcement. It changed to profile privacy settings. Actually, technically, the, the important change here was not even in the announcement, but it was part of the changes. Basically, what it did was it took your games library and defaulted it to private. If you want to put it public, you can opt into it. But this means that Steam Spy can't present accurate data at all because because i mean there's it's no it's like it doesn't have all the data yeah exactly it doesn't have access to every user anymore like it did and and if you don't have access to every user then your statistics are going to be like woefully misrepresentative even more so than they may already be yeah some have speculated uh specifically i want to say it was on Eurogamer that this is this this change may be related to the recent Cambridge Analytica scandal in, involving massively harvested personal data because like the valve changes were not just this but like generally towards greater privacy mm-hmm. um however like some have speculated that like valve intentionally made that change because they do not like steam spy and what it does uh valve is not known for their transparency and and you know listen to like the any of the 13 episodes that tom has talked about <laughs> Valve and like, how you should not trust them at all. And not to say that you keep, that's like the same story. You keep finding stories that eventually lead to, and this person should not have trust Valve. It's, and these people should not have trust It's almost like there's a pattern. <laughs> They're kind of be like, num- much like how Hugh Grant is the number one enemy of my side of the podcast, Valve is definitely public enemy no- numero uno. Yeah. Um... Valve has yet to comment on its motivations. I who, who knows if they will. I kind of I kind of doubt that they will. Bleh. Um and so Steam Spy is dead now, which is a good and a bad thing because uh you know, like lots of lots of 
and this is the problem with it being a public tool is that the gamers are so fucking stupid yeah i hate them so much and so many gamers will be like this game sold poorly so it sucks and like that's not that's not what that means at all you know games games can have a small reach and still be really good uh that being said it's also really bad uh for you know developers who who need that level of transparency not just to see how their own game is performing but again to identify and uh capitalize on trends within the industry so that's that was the big thing that happened this week is like steam spy's dead which is is, which is big and sad because i like like the np like the NPD sucks. The NPD is so bad, and the fact that uh, people tout its its statistics as useful or meaningful still, when they only just got around to tracking digital distribution copies, like to literally a, two seconds ago, to a woefully reductive degree, like they, I like I, radical changes would have to happen to the NPD for me to even remotely approach not rolling my eyes when people quoted its numbers so that's some like cons banning netflix or can banning netflix or whatever film festival banned netflix from like to give you an idea of of how bad the npd is almost every article i could find uh talking about the npd and how bad it was was like even hollywood has the nielsen ratings (laughs) so even by comparison to nielsen the NPD is is reductive. Listen it's, to the Nielsen episode to hear yeah. me yell and scream about stupid things. So sometimes we talk about bummer shit, but today we just talked about the... the I think the theme of this episode was the lion's share. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call All it. All right, no, I like that. I like that a lot. The lion's share. Uh, but regardless, we like to balance it out anyways with a little segment we like to call the self-care corner where we just talk about a good thing that happened to us this week. You can submit your own self-care corners. You'd be the first. I want to know what Sonic's feet look like. Media Managers Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. What do we call our fans? Majorinos. That's just a ripoff of Murderinos. Majors? That's weird. Yeah, you're right. Toes. Toes? Call them toes. All right, that's what we're going with. So damn sexy. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why we're going with this, but who am I to, you know, not say yes? That's what they. That's what they teach you in comedy school. Uh, so yeah, email us. Uh, Nice. Um, my self care corner for this week is I got a haircut today for the first time in I think over a year. Uh, and and it looks good. The end. Yep. My self-care corner is something. What was it? <laughs> at work today, we sang happy birthday at a dog. That's pretty damn The dog good. was fucking thrilled. <laughs> it was very good. Um, If you like the show, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, actually, before we do that, I kind of have an announcement, and it's really important. Um, We're getting another new show on the network. Yeah, that's true. We're getting well. We can we can only talk about one right now. Uh, yeah, I wasn't even gonna mention the other one. <laughs> I was gonna keep that one on the DL. Oh, okay. But, well, right, then, we, then you know what? Let's bring it from the top, and I can edit this out. Uh, I actually also have a, an announcement 
mm-hmm. to make we're we're getting a new show no not the double x files we're getting another new show what yeah okay calm down we're getting new shows don't yell at me we're expanding why are they so mad at us <laughs> we know you're not uh lenny our dear dear friend from the filmographer lenny our dear dear friend from the filmographers and maybe the funniest twitter account i follow yeah uh lenny and his friend steve uh, are doing a podcast for us that is called everybody's doing the fish about one of my personal favorite bands real big fish uh we're very excited and um yeah you should be too we're getting a music podcast yeah 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 so that's coming Fuck soon yeah. uh coming soon to a headphones near you anybody looking for the hottest freshest newest content on the major cast network should check out the double x files uh a x files recap podcast from courtney and allison two of two of the funniest nicest hosts wonderfulest peeps yeah they're incredible they're incredibly funny i've never watched a single fucking episode of the x-files and i've listened to a god at this point probably like 30 or 40 maybe more episodes of their show they're incredibly funny they're so good at what they do and they're incredibly smart media critics we're getting bigger it's gonna be good so make sure that you support all of the awesome people Ugh, that media. are better than us on this network. We're, thinking, we're now the fucking gremlins of Major the network. Major cast is getting thicker as we speak. Wow. Damn. Why? Why? <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. We're not on Facebook because we deleted it because we hate Mark Zuckerberg. Yep. He was on trial. Yeah, surprise. We'll, I'm, I'm assuming you'll talk about Cambridge Analytica once One this day. whole thing clears out. Or our Palantir. Jesus Good Lord. Christ. And um, as always, we'll be there for you. I was only doing it like that. I was making sure we're done with plugs. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.